welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. You are listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for being here, for listening. You can find me at rickthomas.net if you have any question whatsoever. We would love to meet you there in cyberspace, and you can ask your question. We have a team, including myself, that will be glad to interact with you. There's no cost. We have a community forum, and, and you can ask. Sometimes folks ask personal questions, and maybe all questions are personal, but some are a little more personal than others, and you're welcome to flatten your question out. You don't have to use your name. You can say, I have a friend. You can not use other people's names. You could say a relative or this church, and that would be fantastic. I, I understand, uh, but if you want to ask your question, this is what we do. We help people. Our mission statement, the short version of our mission statement, says helping people live effective lives. Our actual mission statement says this, our mission is to help people, that's what we do, by providing practical tools. We want our tools to be practical. And ongoing training. The reason for ongoing training is because, well, we're an ongoing mess, and it takes ongoing training. Sanctification is progressive, and until Jesus comes back, we will not see perfection. And then the last part is for effective living. Our mission is to help people by providing practical tools and ongoing training for effective living. And so if we can help you, please let us know. In this podcast, I want to talk about parenting. This is not an exhaustive treatment on parenting, okay? This is a 30-minute podcast. This is a 2,000-word article that you can read on our website. And, of course, you can share it with anyone that you wish to share it with. But I want to take one angle to this multifaceted opportunity that we parents have. I want to talk about pragmatism. The title of the article is The Danger of Pragmatic Parenting. Parenting children is one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Up next to marriage, there's probably nothing harder. Being married, living with another human being, and working through your mutual Adamic fallenness, that is the most hardest, that is the hardest thing to do. Parenting comes second, and I hope you prioritize your family that way. If you are married with children, I hope your marriage comes first and your parenting comes second. I mean, maybe 1A, 1B, but your marriage must be first of all. If your marriage is not first, then you will have problems with your parenting. But parenting is one of the hardest things you'll do, and there are many temptations, the biggest of which is to be result-oriented. Because, quite frankly, it's easier to make children behave than doing the hard work of training them. Of course, I'm talking about when children are young. You can manipulate, force, coerce. You can make children behave when they are young if you really want to. And that can be, well, it is easier than training them. Training is hard work. So I want to talk about pragmatism. 
results-oriented parenting and how it's a problem. Have you met the counting lady? Let's call her Mabel. Maybe you have seen her at Walmart standing in the checkout line. Her seven-year-old son, let's call him Biffy. He was disobeying her. And she was fearfully hoping that he would stop his disruptiveness. Her method for getting little Biffy to behave was to count one, two, three. This parenting model to obedience is like a game of dare. Mabel begins a slow count towards some indeterminate number with the hope that her son will not only discern what she is doing, but choose to be respectful and obedient. This method of parenting is often the product of a fearful or angry parent. It is fearful because Mabel is embarrassed by what other folks in Walmart may think of her child, which, by the way, is a reflection of Mabel. If you misbehave, it is reflecting poorly on me, and so her counting method is motivated by fear. It could be motivated by anger because her child won't get in line with her expectations, and of all times that you have to disobey, this is the time. And so she is angry. If Biffy does not respond well, she may stop the counting process and start yelling at him. I've seen that at Walmart and a few other places more than once, and I have been tempted, by the way, to do that myself when my children were smaller. Perhaps she grabs a body part to motivate him to cease from what he is doing. If it goes that far... And if he still has not responded appropriately, she will probably be at a loss on how to change Biffy's behavior. Success in Mabel's mind will be an immediate behavioral modification that takes all eyes off of them, which can come through anger, the infliction of pain, or the threat of future retribution from little Biffy's dad, Big Biff, after he arrives home from work. The sad thing for Biffy is that he will not be fundamentally changed from the inside out because the family parenting model is based more on pragmatics, immediate behavioral results, rather than a long-term parental vision and plan. Now, I realize in some situations you want immediate behavioral results, but for this article, the context is as these parents do more than what I just described to you in the Walmart scene, that pragmatics is how they parent. There could be parents who do train their children up, and there are these isolated events where the children need to behave right now. And so the parents call them to behavioral modification right now on the spot, but that isolated episode is contextualized in a grace-centered, gospel-motivated environment. Now, in this 
podcast, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a parental model that is primarily, if not exclusively, about pragmatics. Behavioral modification approaches typically work under two conditions. Number one, the parent finds the right approach to behavioral change while missing the critical necessities of the heart. If you can find the right technique, if you can find the trigger that will get that boy in line, it will work. I put quotation marks around the word work because it will work, but ultimately it will fail. And then number two, the child chooses to behave while he is young because it's the path of less pain. This is like the child, you've heard the expression, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. If there is shalom in the home of this kind of family, peace in the home, it will only be temporary peace because there has been no lasting transformation in the child's soul. There may be many reasons why parents choose pragmatic parenting over the long-term goals of a biblical-centric parenting model. In many of these family situations, if not most, the dad has not been biblically leading the family by coming alongside his wife and providing compassionate, directive care for the child. He could be, it could be that he's not in the picture at all. Perhaps he has delegated his parental responsibilities to his wife because he's preoccupied with, with other things like his job. Not in every case, but in the majority of the situations that I have counseled of dysfunctional families who are struggling, the number one issue or the, the most important issue that needed to be addressed initially is the father's lack of engagement. And it's a big, it's a big deal. A dad's job is similar to mom's in that it's a 24-7 responsibility. Now, he may divide his day between work and home, but both spheres make a whole, W-H-O-L-E, that requires him to be on the job all the time. Parenting is a full-time job every day with no time off. A dad cannot say that I, I do my job by providing for the family. That's part of your job. That's part of your responsibility. But there is no biblical warrant for a dad to take off after he comes home at the end of his workday. His other job begins when he comes home at the end of his workday. Perhaps his job continues as he during his workday as he checks on his wife and serves her and tries to give his compassionate directive care to come alongside her during the day. That, that can happen many times. Pragmatic parenting happens frequently, and it's an easy trap to fall into especially with the pace in which some families live their lives. If the parents are thinking only of short-term results rather than embracing a long-term gospel-motivated vision for their children, they will be susceptible to an unbiblical or sub-biblical parenting practices. Let me give you a, a few of those parenting practices that I've seen in my counseling career. Here's one, dad's watching football. 
and the kids are interrupting. He yells at the children, and the children conform to his angry manipulations. Another, mom is embarrassed about the child's behavior, per my Walmart illustration. She yells, she threatens, and and starts counting, hoping he will obey her orders. A third one, Dad is more concerned about how he looks before others rather than the spiritual needs of his children. He chooses to enforce conformity regardless of the future cost. Number four, mom is overwhelmed in the home and has lost patience for non-compliant children. She threatens them until, until they change their behaviors. Number five, one or both of the parents are lazy and They choose enforced conformity rather than the work involved in gospel-motivated teaching. Laziness is a big deal when it comes to pragmatic parenting. Number six, the parents came from a fear-based legalistic culture that emphasized externalities. They were not taught how to parent from the heart. I see this so often. Legalism is a fear-based culture. People are always comparing themselves to each other and judging each other, and they live by a set of rules of externalities, and underneath that is just a lot of inhibition, insecurity, anxiousness, worry, fretting, despair, fear. And if you come from a fear-based legalistic culture that emphasizes externalities over heart transformation, Well, if you're not trained any other way, then you will not know how to parent from the heart. Then lastly, parents are oriented towards short-term goals. They live in this instant gratification world with that kind of worldview. These these parents focus more on the perfect three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old rather than a grace-filled model that keeps the end in mind. Sometimes you have to overlook sin Sometimes you need to let episodes go and address patterns instead, instead of trying to have the perfect child all the time. The goal is 18 or 21, or when that child leaves at at the end of parenting to where the child steps out into God's world as a man or a woman under God's authority submitted to him. That's the goal, sometimes between zero and that final leaving, it's a mess, and you have to live with the mess, not perfection. All of these situations that I've described to you can accomplish immediate results for the parents and from the children, especially if they are young. The bad news is that it's myopic. It is short-sighted. It's a short-sighted, myopic parenting model that falls woefully short of what the Bible teaches. As the children become teenagers, their parents' manipulations will no longer hold sway over them, and the likelihood of them rebelling is pretty high. As teenagers, their lives will become progressively worse due to a lack of heart-motivated, grace-centered, and gospel transformation preparations. Thinking biblically while responding with humility will not be part of their worldview, of the teenager's worldview. In one sense, here's the irony here. The children will adopt the lifestyle of the parents. Instant gratification, quick fixes, cutting corners, results in the immediate, not long-term goals and transformation. They will not be trained that way. 
Their parents chose the early path to conformity rather than the hard way of prayer, modeling, encouraging, motivating, teaching, and disciplines. The teens will not know how to do these things, choosing instead to take the easy option of rebellion. Because of a lack of training to think or respond biblically to trying situations when things become difficult for these teens, they will more than likely react like their parents. What is convenient? What works best for them without considering the long-term effects of their decisions? Pragmatic parents make pragmatic children. By the way, if you want to watch a short video, I have a a 10-minute video embedded in this article, and you are more than welcome to to click on it and, and watch it. I think it would be instructive. Pragmatic parenting is more rule-based. It's massively structured, and it's a self-reliant methodology. The family has rules, some of which are good and biblical. We don't want to throw the rules out with the bathwater. Others are centered more on the parents' preferences, conveniences, or fears. You want to maintain structure because it's essential to sound biblical parenting. But parents should always contextualize their structures inside a gospel-centered environment. Many parenting models are motivated by fear because the parents are hoping to keep their children from becoming whatever it is that they fear. Too often, these fears are connected to whatever bad thing that happened to one of the parents from their childhood. Rather than trusting God by parenting from the Bible, they oversteer the parenting car by motivating the children according to the parents' fears. It is hard for some parents to keep from mapping their negative experience over how they see life. And when it comes to their children, there is probably not a more powerful shaping influence than the parents' negative experience as children when they were children. If your parenting is not connected to and flows out of the gospel, you will set your children up for current frustration and future failure. Many children reared pragmatically spend a significant portion of their adult lives unparenting themselves. They have to unlearn the shaping influences of their parents. The irony is that the children, now as adults, will make a similar mistake as their current parents as they react negatively to what their parents did to them. The parents are reacting negatively to what their parents did to them, and now the children are reacting negatively to what their parents did to them. If you believe you may be a pragmatic parent, the first thing for you to do is examine your parenting model. Let me give you three questions that will help you think and to talk about how you parent. Number one, what does it mean to parent according to the gospel? Number two, what is your methodology for bringing change into the lives of your children? Number three, what would your parenting look like if you similarly parented your children the way your Heavenly Father parents you? You can get these questions right out of the article if you want. I have developed a biblical diagnostic so you can examine your parenting style What I would ask you to do is to, when you have a moment, to carefully read 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4, 5, 6, and 7. 
This is the love chapter. Ch- chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. And what I would like for you to do is to replace the word love with the name Jesus. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. You will notice how the name Jesus and the word love does not alter the text at all. Now what I would like for you to do is to insert your name where the word love is explicit or implied. And if you do this little diagnostic, it will give you an idea. And again, I want you to, to as you do it, to think about uh, how you parent. Does this passage explain your parenting? Let me do it for you. And I have it here in the text and in the article. And there are 15 things here that love does or does not do. Let's go. Here, here it is. Mabel is patient and Mabel is kind. Mabel does not envy or Mabel does not boast. Mabel is not arrogant. Mabel is not rude. Mabel does not insist on her own way. Mabel is not irritable. Mabel is not resentful. Mabel does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but Mabel rejoices with the truth. Mabel bears all things. Mabel believes all things. Mabel hopes all things. Mabel endures all things. That's the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Insert your name there. There's 15 blanks where you can do that. God has called you to imitate him in Ephesians 5, 1, be imitators of God as beloved children. And one of, one of your most profound discipleship opportunities is how you imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, while leading your children into adulthood. And so as you think about that list in 1 Corinthians, how do you compare to the words love and Jesus. Number two, what specific areas do you need to change? Perhaps you can take this list and write it down in a journal or a piece of paper and add your name there and then put a note between uh, after all 15 of those. Give yourself an assessment. And then number three, what is your specific plan to begin that change process? This would be a fantastic opportunity for any parent to, to spend a, a few days, a, a week or two talking through this. And then I would add number four, who is one person you can call on to help you implement your plan for change? Who is that person? Paul's text in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians conveys the heart of, of gospel-motivated parenting. God, our sovereign authority figure, is love. We learned that in 1 John 4, 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And so God is our sovereign authority figure, and one of his characteristics is love. And because you are an authority figure, if you have children You are an authority figure in your child's life. Would they see you like love? You are your child's most influential authority figure, at least while they are young. There is no more powerful authority figure in a child's life than the parent. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life. 
the father parents you from a heart of love. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flows the springs of life. For you to imitate your heavenly father, your first call to action is for the gospel to transform you. Hearts not rightly affected by the gospel will not be able to export it adequately to those within their spheres of influence. Do you parent from a heart of gospel-transformed love? Now, there are other things that your heart needs to be transformed by, but again, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, this is not an exhaustive treatment on parenting. We're talking about pragmatic parenting, and, and I'm giving you one angle here, one slice of a solution, and that slice is love. As we looked at 1 Corinthians 13, you want to keep your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flows the springs of life. And so one of those aspects that your heart needs to be transformed by is love. If you need to change the way you parent, a great place to begin that process is by identifying the weaknesses from the diagnostic assessment in 1 Corinthians. It would be profitable to have a close friend to walk with you through the transformation process as you take your soul to task regarding each of the descriptors, those 15 descriptors the Spirit revealed to you as an area of needed improvement. Now, I suggested that you talk to a close friend. If you are married, your close friend must be, the person you select must be your spouse. Disunity in your marriage will create disunity in your children. A couple is one flesh, not two people. There cannot be division in the marriage if you want to export unity to your children. Because what's going to happen is the husband's going to be exporting one thing, whatever that is, and the wife, because there's disunity, there's going to be two song sheets, not one, and the wife will be exporting something else. You may be together on some things, but not all things. You must fight for unity. Unity is unity. It's not partial unity. It's not we are unified in seven things and disunified in Three things, unity is unity, it's one whole. There cannot be division in the marriage if you want to export unity to your children. Now, if you are a single parent, you're already divided, and I understand this, and many of you are single parents. Many of you are single parents, even though you are currently married It would be wise to ask your church leadership to help with the soul care needs of your children. Though there is a disruption in your one flesh union, you may be divorced, you may be separated, or you may be living alone in a marriage, you can find the sufficient unity you need from your local body to parent your child well. It is what the church is for. The the local church is a hospital. It's a spiritual hospital for hurting souls. And I do not expect that every person listening to this podcast is living in a one flesh unified marriage. In fact, I'm sure with maybe the most, I don't know, could be that most people listening to this podcast are disunified. But regardless of your marriage situation, 
here's the vital thing that I want you to remember because some people can go off the deep the deep end, can go off a cliff when they hear a, pod, a podcast like this on parenting. The vital thing to remember is that prayer is your most effective parenting weapon. That is your most powerful tool. You don't want to fall into the trap of thinking that if you do well as a parent, your children will turn out okay. They may. They may not. Or you may believe that if you do poorly, your children will turn out badly. Both of those thoughts are is legalism. Are legalism. They're legalistic. It's legalistic thinking. If I do good, my parents will. My my kids will turn out well. That's that's rules. That's legalism. If I do poorly, my children will turn out badly. That is legalism as well. You are to cooperate with God in the parenting of your children. But if they turn out well, it will be because of God's kindness to you and to them. You don't want to presume on his grace by doing nothing, but you also do not want to think that you are the primary change agent in your child's life. I planted, Apollos watered, Paul said, but God gave the growth. You parent the best you can. You water effectively. Don't presume on God's grace. Don't take him for granted. Do what you can. Pray. Trust God and leave the results to him. If you want to chat about this, the article is The Danger of Pragmatic Parenting. I would love to talk to you. You can do that by going to rickthomas.net. I'll meet you there. I hope you have a fantastic day. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.